What is going on in Philadelphia? We're going to be talking the James Harden situation, possible trades for him. We're going to be talking the Supernova, Phoenix Suns. They have been on absolute fire, scoring over 70 each half. The starters have been playing. We're going to wrap it up with our, our award picks and hot streak shooting slump. Patrick, are you ready? I am so ready. Let's get it. So James Harden is calling Daryl Morey a liar. This is all old news. It's not James Harden, by the way. It's also Birkin Korkmaz. He's on about year two, three of a trade request here. Uh, There's something been... about how they treat their guards <laughs> yeah, over they... in Philadelphia that it just doesn't sit right with them. They want to leave. So Furkan Korkmaz, I have a sneaking suspicion, might get traded with Harden since he also wants out. But let's talk about Harden. He's a really important one. Essentially, Wojnarowski is reporting that the Clippers are the only team that are really in the James Harden sweepstakes. The report is right now that the Sixers want two first and Terrence Mann to be the center of a trade package for Harden. Harden skipped team practice on Wednesday, and it doesn't look like he's going to be playing tonight in their final preseason game. He has apparently been in Houston. Um, so. I think the way this is heading is we're looking at another Ben Simmons situation where the team just kind of plays without him until he gets traded. I'm just like, what does this say about Daryl Morey at, the, at this point? Going in through the whole Ben Simmons situation, I really could not see a situation where they were going to get away with a player as good as James Harden and now running it back another time. I think it's just a really tough place. And do you think that the Sixers are, are is the season over? Is it, is it done? I don't know if the season is over just because when you have Joel Embiid on your team in the regular season, you win a lot of basketball games. Pretty much every year of Joel's career, if he's playing regular season basketball, he's winning at regular season basketball. So the Sixers are probably going to find themselves in that race for the 4-5 seed. They were the 4 seed the season Ben Simmons sat out half the year. Um, so I think they're going to be kind of high enough in the standings that it's going to keep their season alive just because Embiid, Maxi, Harris, the team is still pretty good. Sans Harden. Maxi has looked so good in the preseason too. I think this might be the year that he kind of comes into his own as a true starter. He was coming off the bench a lot last year. Why, why hasn't this Clippers trade happened? And do you think it will ever happen or could ever happen? I'm a little, I think I'm with you. The two first and Terrence Mann. I know the reporting is that the hookup is Terrence Mann. I imagine it might be more on the first. Because if I'm the Clippers, you have to make the salary work in addition to Mann. So you're probably throwing in a Norman Powell. Maybe you're throwing in the Zubach because they have Plumlee now to play back up big. You might be throwing in a, you know, Morris twin. So it's not just Mann to make the salaries work. And that's a lot of depth the Clippers are going to be losing to make that trade happen. So giving up two firsts on top of that for Harden, who whirlwind of you know yeah of a guy uh also in the last year of his contract don't really know how he's going to feel at the end of his clipper year if their season ends in disaster so i don't know i feel like it's not a natural trade partner if terrence mann is the sticking point in a james harden trade all that's telling me from a clippers perspective is they don't want james harden james harden is not this washed up guy he is still i would say one of the 30 best players in the nba and it's just not a great fit, especially, I know you're not a Russell Westbrook guy, but last season showed me something. At least in the Clippers culture, Russell Westbrook works to a certain extent. And we've seen multiple times at this point, 
that the Russell Westbrook James Harden experience is not one that that yeah, they had to go no center for it to work back in Houston. I think, you know, given Westbrook and Harden's deterioration, they might have to do that even more. It's play funny, even that more is weird kind basketball. Of super Clippers culture. Is yeah. Going no center. But. Um, so, Patrick, me and you tasked each other with coming up with two Harden trades, one meme like trade and one actual somewhat serious trade. Um, I think I'm going to start out with my meme trade. Ben Simmons for Harden straight up. <laughs> ben Simmons is looking athletic again. At the very least, you know, we know what it looks like on Philly. It's a team that got a one seed. It's a team that will get to the second round of the playoffs. You know, Embiid is improved. Maxi's improved. Um, Tobias is the same guy. I mean, it's the second round team. It's pretty much the same result as Harden was, right? Dude, what could go wrong? <laughs> yeah, what could go Let's wrong? Let's get Ben back in ben the Ben is fold. shooting fadeaways in the preseason. I don't know if you've seen. He's a new man. Uh, hey, I've seen it. I believe it. Honestly, the, the Nets are going to need some picks. Yeah, if they're trading Simmons <laughs> for also, this scrub locker room cancer, James Harden. Yeah, I think the team in Brooklyn. This is obviously a joke trade, but if we did want a little James Harden renaissance, Harden, DFS, Bridges, Johnson, and Claxton around him, that sounds like a Harden renaissance season. Yeah, yeah, I would love that. Honestly, I mean, I would have to look into how the numbers would work, but I wonder if there is something. Like the auxiliary auxiliary wings of Brooklyn for James Harden. Oh, I just like, don't see it for Brooklyn. What is your meme trade? Okay, my meme trade. Look, I'm a I'm a guy who who knows what he likes and knows what he doesn't like. And one thing I hate to see, it, I'm an empath truly, and I hate to see big men with young big men with guards that can't get them the ball. ball so i want to send james harden where he loves to be and that's texas i want to send james harden to san antonio oh no i thought of a spurs trade <laughs> too but i couldn't make it work what is the framework of it, this it's Kelton johnson and doug mcdermott for um james harden picks it's so hard to say honestly what i kind of settled on was a um top 10 protected pick that's protected for like two years and then conveys after that. But I mean, hey, everybody's telling me Greg Popovich is this amazing coach. If he can't make it work with James Harden, like what's to lose? Let's see it. That would be an amazing offense. I love that that's your meme trade because when I was trying to find what my serious trade could be, I had the exact same thought that was like, why don't we put a real confident playmaker next to Wembenyama? And I was like, let me come up with a Spurs trade that works. I just didn't think, the Keldon Johnson package would be enough for Philly, but I love that. Do you hey, want to know my serious trade, Patrick? Yes, I'm right. Except Keldon Johnson is a better player than Terrence Mann. Patrick, my real trade for James Harden. This is a wild one. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. It involves three teams. Oh, my God. Yes. The Philadelphia 76ers. Love it. The Los Angeles Clippers. Mm-hmm. And the Minnesota Timberwolves. No. Oh, my God. Here we my go. My real one is also a Timberwolves trade. <laughs> Okay, so Minnesota receives James Harden, P.J. Tucker, and Furkan Korkmaz. The Clippers receive Rudy Gobert. The Sixers receive Terrence Mann, Kyle Anderson, Ivica Zubac, and Norman Powell. So let me walk it through for each team. Last year, the Clippers are 17th in defensive rating. Getting Gobert instantly is going to prop that up probably closer to 10. So why is switching out Gobert for Zubac a good move on offense because Gobert is more of a rim rolling big where Zubac is a little bit more post-up heavy 
When I think of Westbrook and what was he was really good at, Steven Adams. You're basically going to run back that Steven Adams role with Gobert. Now, Minnesota, they move off the years of the Gobert contract. They're replacing Kyle Anderson, who punched a teammate, with P.J. Tucker. Um, I think with a locker room with Towns and Edwards, you're going to want some maturity, especially since Harden is, you know, a wild card on that end. Uh, the Harden trade gives them that huge playmaking upside. It gives them the flexibility to trade Mike Conley and his $25 million contract during the season. So it gives them flexibility to upgrade the team in other ways during the season. Or at the end of the year, they can recycle Conley for less or trade Harden in a sign and trade where they'll have way more options than the Sixers do now. And Philly just gets depth at every single position. So what is the Timberwolves starting lineup at this point? It's Harden, Conley, and McDaniels and Towns. Towns. I love that. Yeah. I love this trade. This trade is so much better than my trade. I great work, man. <laughs> Thank you. Great I spent work. an hour on the trade machine. Now, the only thing about this trade, I think when I see how many players the Clippers are losing, because they're losing Man, Zubach, and Powell, and they get Gobert, I think the Clippers maybe hesitate on it. But in this scenario, I don't think they need to give up two first round picks. So so Zubach is going to Philly. Philly, which solves their eternal search for a backup, backup center. center. Yeah, and they could even flip Zubach to mm-hmm. a million places. Um, and so what's the? Can you just tell me one more time what Philly's getting out of all this? So Philly is getting Terrence Mann, Kyle Anderson, Zubach, and Norman Powell to make the salaries work. And they just get depth. Philly gets depth at every position. It lets them maybe move on from Tobias Harris somehow. I don't know. I think. It kind of gives every team what they need. Yeah, I I really, really like that trade, man. My trade was just very simply Harden for Conley and Kyle Anderson. And that is more of a breaking case of emergency. I Like if the Timberwolves are really not working out and they just need a an punch, influx yeah. of offense. But that is a really inspired trade, man. I We weren't giving out any... Trophies, but I I got that for you. It's Thank the you. best trade of the week award. So, so with your trade, one thing with my trade, I really did want to find a way to get Conley to Philly because mm-hmm. I feel like Philly kind of needs to get Conley back in some way, especially if the Clippers are you know hesitant on man. Or, but the thing with Philly is they have DeAnthony Melton. You just kind of forget because he really didn't do all that much with the Sixers like we thought he would last offseason. And Melton is such a good fit next to Maxie that, of course, I think they would love to have Conley, but I don't think in a scenario where they're getting all of that real usable wing depth, they would be able to roll with just a DeAnthony Melton and Maxie backcourt. Yeah, so Minnesota, I don't know if Minnesota fans are just vomiting at the thought of yeah. picking up Harden or they're just <laughs> jumping for joy at the thought of getting rid of Gobert. But let's go from a team that's in absolute turmoil to a team that is completely, you know, vibing out, chilling by the pool, having a great time. Patrick, your Phoenix Suns look incredible. They do. They do. I could not be more pleased with how the Suns have looked. We've seen the Suns' new big three of Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, and Kevin Durant in two halves of basketball so far in their first preseason game against the Pistons and in the most recent preseason game against the very, like, third-string trailblazers. So I will say that to preface. But in those two halves of basketball, in the first half, they scored 70 points in two quarters. And in the second one, they scored 76 points in two quarters. And they looked like an absolute 
offensive juggernaut. Devin Booker is plus 44. <laughs> KD is plus 43. And Beal is plus 31. Wow. So, like, I mean, everyone knows I'm super high on the Suns. They're my team. Like, that's just me. What, what do you see, James? So I'm seeing a team that is getting a crazy amount of really good looks on really easy actions. Um, second possession of the Trailblazers game. Grayson Allen has the ball at the top of the key. He passes Durant on the left wing. The entire like defense on Durant's side of the court shifts toward him. So Durant quickly pings it back to Grayson Allen. The defense parts like the Red Sea, and Grayson Allen just walks in on the right side of the court. Booker and Beal are wide open, and it's like, there's a lot of possessions where just Booker or Kevin Durant catching the ball is causing the entire defense to be like, oh my God, Booker has the ball. Everyone take a step forward. But the problem is you take that one step away from Durant or Beal, it becomes a good look for them because you have to close out on time with those guys. Um, another one I thought was a really good example of why this offense is so deadly. Booker's running a pick and roll with Drew Eubanks, who's maybe the least scary big man we've seen. Um, and they're like five feet behind the three-point line. The entire defense is like freaking out at the thought of Booker pulling up from the three-point line. Booker takes two dribbles, kind of probe dribbles into the paint. He gets Grayson Allen a wide open catch and shoot three. So Booker's like gravity when he has the basketball and Durant's too is just like breaking defenses. But now that he's being surrounded with so much shooting, it's creating this like insane offensive like dynamo package. Exactly. They're, they're playing with so much more pace than they played with the last couple of years with Chris Paul. They're really running. One thing that Devin has never really done in his career is take early shot clock threes. And he, he's really been not a huge three-point shooter at all. Like last season, Devin Booker averaged about six three-point attempts a game. Per 36, Devin Booker is averaging 10 three-point yes, shots so attempts a game. I love that you said that. Also in my notes, yeah, so Booker is averaging the same amount of three-point attempts, six, in 18 minutes of preseason play as he is in the full 34 minutes last season. Do you know how many times Devin Booker shot, because you're talking about per 36, do you know how many times Devin Booker shot 10 threes in a game last season? Not many. I, I would guess like five. He did it four times the entire year. And he's yeah. probably, I don't know if this is like maybe a little too ballsy. I would guess he hits 10 threes in a game 30 times this season. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Frank Vogel has talked about it's a huge point of emphasis for the Suns to really jack up threes. And I mean, just people aren't, ready for the amount of spacing that the Suns have. Not only are the big three just absolutely lethal, but Gra Grayson Allen, the Zodiac killer, is just, <laughs> he's going to have the best year of his career by far. Eric Gordon is still that guy. The amount of shooting that they have on this roster is absolutely insane. Yeah, I got to say, you know, you don't really think too much of Grayson Allen, you know, coming from Milwaukee, coming to Phoenix. But one thing is he is really taking advantage of these lanes that are really opening up for him on a lot of these actions. Another guy who's moving a lot is Bradley Beal. He is just moving constantly without the ball. I noticed the Suns are doing this for him and KD where they're running screens like inside the three point line, getting Beal kind of like these nice cuts to the basket. Because when Booker and, you know, Allen are, and Gordon are spacing, Beal's just having all this room to just roam to the hoop. Did you notice how... The, the thing that made my heart flutter after watching a couple years of Chris Paul, who I, I love you, Chris Paul, you did so many great things for the Suns, but one thing that you never did was get to the line. And in that first half of the Trailblazers game, I want to say Beal got to the line. First, 
NBA stats, really get your shit together for preseason stats. Where are they? I need them. But um, Beal got to the line like four or five times, which just completely changed the game for an offense. In the first quarter of that game, they had the Trailblazers in the bonus with like seven minutes left in the first quarter. It was absolutely insane. Um, have you seen, um, did, you, did you look into Devin Booker's and Kevin Durant's shooting splits? Uh, I haven't looked at the splits. I did look at the shot charts because that was one thing I did. My only concern, but we'll, let's talk about these splits first. Um, Kevin Durant is shooting a crispy 40, 50, <laughs> 90. And Devin Booker is shooting a crispy 51, 51, 100 <laughs> yeah. from the field right now. And so, I mean, like, this is preseason. Yeah, like, against, I will say. It's to, not real. To caveat all this, it's two games against the Blazers and the Pistons. These yeah. are some very young, bad defensive teams. But the process is there. It is there. So one thing that does concern me against better teams is I, Booker and KD are still taking a lot of really tough mid-range shots. Even in this offense, Booker is just scorching. Durant, too. One thing I do like that the Suns are doing is that I didn't see the Brooklyn doing with Durant is Durant was taking a lot of deep twos when he was in Brooklyn and he was making them at his Kevin Durant 51% on mid range shots, even though I'm like right in front of the three point line. But I noticed the Suns are doing a really good job of running like screens at like the elbow for Durant to kind of catch it more like eight feet to the basket. So a lot of Durant's mid range attempts are going from like six to eight feet, whereas in Brooklyn, a lot of them were at like 16 feet, 20 feet. So they're doing a really good job of getting Durant's shots closer to the hoop, but I still want to see him and Booker just. A little more shots in the actual paint, more like layups. Totally, totally. I mean, that's especially with with book like that has been the thing that we've needed from him specifically for a long time. And, you know, they're such lethal two point shooters that it's not like we have to have it, but it would be nice for Suns fans to have a little bit easier shots. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I know my other thing was the, the math problem when it comes to free throw attempts in those three preseason games where the starters played, you guys were shooting over 30 free throw attempts a game. The league average last year for teams was in the, like the mid low twenties. So it seems like the free throw attempt problem is going to get better this year. And I don't know, man, Devin Booker kind of looks like Denver Nuggets series Booker. He just looks unreal. I, I We've talked about it before. No player in the NBA leverages gravity better than Devin Booker because he played so many years with just no gravity at all around him. So now that he has so much, he he knows how to play in a closet and he gets to play in a ballroom. So this, I think this season is going to be really, really special for Devin. Um, my last point is just, there's been a lot of talk about not having a true point guard and the per, per 36 returns from the big three have been super promising. Thus far, assist-wise, especially from Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is averaging eight assists per 36 minutes. Um, Devin Booker is averaging seven, and then uh, Beal is averaging five. If they can deliver numbers even close to that, I don't think that is a problem, not having a true start. I don't, I don't know how you, you feel about yeah, I think the I guess those are are those all preseason numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess with the sample size, it's hard to say. I will say from my eye test from watching, the offense does seem to function a little bit better when Booker is the one kind of initiating everything because Durant is like a good passer when he picks up his dribble, but he's not taking those like kind of probing dribbles that 
you know, Booker likes to take. And I think that's kind of that next level playmaking element that I feel like Booker has over Duran is kind of creating off the dribble. Whereas Duran, a lot of times he's picking up his dribble a little early. Totally. So I think over the course of the season, I think we kind of want to see Beal and Booker initiate. But I mean, what are we, what am I complaining about? <laughs> I, I am nitpicking. I am sounding like an old head. I'm making it seem like Durant doesn't know how to pass the ball. Durant, like you said, is averaging, what, seven, eight assists per 36. Yeah. The guy is killing it. Also, he's Durant's getting the ball as like the second. It's the Initiator, second pass yeah. in the, in the yeah. process. So. And again, another thing with KD, like I said at the top, like there's a possession, like Allen passes him the ball. The defense moves a step too slow and Durant instantly pings the ball back. The guy knows how to get the ball moving. That's why he's one of the best in the game. All this to say, NBA National Media, you are way too low on the Phoenix Suns. And, and that's, that's all I have to say. That's all I have to say. Okay. Uh, where are we going next? Are, are you ready to do some end of the season awards? <laughs> I'm so ready to pick I'm the end of season award up. winners. Let's do some end of the season awards. Um, okay. So we are going to start off with six men of the year. Yes, I had a lot of fun with this one. So before the show, you were saying there's one person you think is like the obvious pick. So Patrick, I want, I want you to say who this person is because I, I think I might have missed them. Yeah, there's the, there are some caveats to it. But as far as I know, from what I've researched, Derek White is not going to start for the Boston Celtics. And if that is the case, Derek White is the obvious choice, in, in my opinion. He's going to get a lot of minutes. He's going to always be surrounded by plus-plus talent, and he's going to have the ball in his hand. Interesting. So Derek White was who I was going to pick. Okay. And I don't think I dug deep enough because according to the ESPN depth chart, he is going to start. But it, I've also it, seen depth charts where Jalen is going to start at the two. So Yeah, I think he would be kind of like a quasi-one-two. Um, there, there's a lot of questions, and I have a if Derek White does end up starting, that might blow your socks off. My guy, I was talking to you earlier. If Derek White starts, Chris Paul, you are going to win six man. Oh, yes. Chris Paul is a very good shot. So I, I came up with a crazy case for uh, one of Derek White's old teammates. Okay. Give it to me. I don't know if he's going to rock the green hair or the blue hair this year. There we go. Marcus Smart. So immediately you're thinking, how is Marcus Smart going to win six men of the year? Marcus Smart? How is he going to win six men of the year? <laughs> when he's starting 25 games for the Grizzlies. So first thing I had to do was, how many games do most six men of the year winners start? And the answer is, it's not consistent. Yeah. Some years they start zero. Um, some years they start one. Some years, if you're Lou Williams, you start 19. So here's the case for Marcus Smart not starting enough games. In a typical season for the last like five years, Smart misses 15 to 20 games a year. Okay. Presumably, he is not going to miss all of those games solely when Jaw's back. I think he's going to miss some games as the starting point guard. So his game started number could get down to 15 to 12. So that's how we answer the did he start too many games question. Then, assuming that if he's hurt and Jaw's hurt, Grizzlies probably get off to a slow start. So Marcus Smart balling out as the sixth man, as the Grizzlies ascend up the standings because Jaw comes back. He's playing as the six-man role. The narrative. We talk about awards are a lot of narrative. It's all narrative. We're going to say that a million times. He's the heart, the soul. He's been mentoring Jaw. Grit and grind. Grit and grind. Yeah, I don't know. I think if he does only end up starting like 14 games during that 25-game stretch and the Grizzlies have a nice ascension when Jaw comes back and he is the bench player, I think it's going to be a great narrative for him. My question is, 
why isn't it going to be Emmanuel quickly? And I think he actually either might start too many games, might have his six-man allure cannibalized by Josh Hart or another Knicks player. I just I think the Knicks are going to have like three candidates by the end of the year. Yeah, I, I mean, if Marcus Smart doesn't start too many games, I, I think he's a clear choice. But so for the Grizzlies, you wouldn't start Marcus Smart with fully healthy lineup. What's your Grizzlies starting five? It's going to be Jaw. It's going to be Bane. The third, you know, the, the small forward, I don't know. Is it see, gonna be that's s- where I'm putting Marcus Smart. Gonna, see, I don't know if I want to start Smart, Jaw, and Bane just because I know Smart is such a good defender. I think Bane is a, you know, a good defender in his own right, but it comes back to the height problem. Mm-hmm. And he I, just can guard up, I, I, would, I would think. But, you know, you, I guess that's the luxury. I feel like this year, more than any year, like half the teams in the NBA, we only know four of their starters. Yeah, I guess I think for when I think of the Grizzlies, the reason why I don't want to go three guard is I'm just thinking like you're guarding Denver. You're like, okay, well, we have to put Smart on Jaw. Okay, or Jaw, ha- or no, not, not on Jaw. Smart yeah. has to guard Murray. Murray. And then so is Jaw going to guard KCP? And if he guards KCP, are we going to have, you know, Bane guarding Michael Porter Jr.? I mean, gets that's kind of mess- what the Suns did. Um, when they played, like a lot of the times, even Chris Paul was guarding yeah. Michael Porter Jr. Who, I don't know. I just don't love that. For yeah, them. yeah, yeah. It's definitely not perfect. I, I see what you're saying. Another person I wrote down was Derrick Rose for six man. Um, I think there's just, I don't know. There's some like, oh, he used to be an MVP. It's like Bill Walton when he joined the Celtics and he played college here too. Um, really good vibes. Um, but but yeah, I ended up going with Derek White. Real quick, just laying out the Chris Paul of it all. I think Chris Paul is going to start a lot of games, but I don't think he'll start too many games mm-hmm. to take his name out of, of the hat. And I think even with starting those games, Chris Paul could be top 10 in assists this year just mm-hmm. with the shooters that is playing around him. The real reason why I backed away from the Chris Paul um, six man of the year is more and more when I think about this roster construction from the Warriors, I don't see Chris Paul ending the year with, with the, the Warriors. Warriors. I just, yeah. I just can't see it. And um, Brian Windhorst has talked about it at length, how Chris Paul has kept his bird rights intact for his entire career. The Warriors are not signing Chris Paul to another contract. They they just are not. And I think that's that's so important to Chris. I think he's going to push to, to keep it that way. I just I, I can't see Chris Paul ha- signing another contract with the Warriors. So he's out for my sixth man of the year. Um, You ready for coach? I'm ready for coach of the year. Uh, you know, coach of the year. It seems like a formula to win coach of the year in pretty much any pro sports league. Be a coach of a team that no one thought too highly of, and you win a bunch of games more than you thought. So I really wanted to give this to Ime Udoku. I think he is going to be so good for the Rockets, but the West is just too tough for the Rockets to make the playoffs, I think. So I went with Mark. I don't know how to say this right. Dagnalt. Dagnalt for the Thunder. Again, I'm high on the Thunder. If the Thunder can make it to the four seed, the five seed, maybe even the six seed, but they're in that like 48 win range area, and they just look really good. Because Chet, I don't think will win Rookie of the Year because of a guy named Victor. You know, that's going to be the whole like, well, he's got, you know, a young team. And I don't know. I just, I think they're the team that makes the Kings like jump. So that's my pick. Yeah. Narrative wise, I, I definitely thought a lot about him. Um, my guy for Coach of the Year. And honestly, I, 
a lot of the reason why I picked him is because he's in the East, is Quinn Snyder. I really love the idea of Atlanta's over-under for wins is 42 and a half. And I think that Atlanta could do a lot better than that. I think they have the shooters. They have the defensive insulation to be a really, really good regular season team. I'm super high on a Kongwu. Um, Clint Capella is still a real player in this league. So they're going to have 48 minutes of great rim protection. And they've got Trey Young, who is one of the best point guards in this league. Um, and Quinn Snyder's high-powered offensive mind pulling all the strings. I think he's going to be able to crack the DeJounte Murray, Trey Young nut. Um, that's why, Quinn, you're my guy. I love your new Hawks red glasses. Have you seen that? I have not. Quinn Snyder's always worn like the, the framed glasses, but now he's got these Hawks red glasses that I just... He's buying in. I love it. Did Quinn win a coach for the year when he was with the Jazz at any point? I feel like he must have, right? I, I don't know. I don't know. Tell us in the comments. Well, now we're going to get to the big three awards, which is the Defensive Player of the Year, the Rookie of the Year, and the MVP. Um, who did you have for Defensive Player of the Year? I had Bam Adebayo. I also had Bam Adebayo. Why did you have Bam Adebayo? So the big knock on Bam the last couple of years has really been the games played. So now the NBA has its, you need 65 games to qualify for an award. So Bam was actually under 65 in two of the last three seasons, including a 64 gamer. So Ooh. ouch. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. You don't think of Bam as missing time. A guy that misses time. You really don't. But that's the thing. He didn't, he's, he doesn't have any like 30 games played. It's a lot of like 64 games played, 58 games played last season, 75. So obviously last year, Jaron won the award. Bam came out and said, I didn't know the award was all about blocks and steals. So he went out, blocked Jaron Jackson in the preseason. To there we go. <laughs> make a point. I think Bam out of bio. I don't know if he is the best defensive player. You could say that's Giannis. But I think Bam has just shown in the playoffs his switchability plus his rim protection plus his IQ, his ability to communicate. He's just shown that he is a defensive player of the year level player. And I think that if he gets to the game's played mark and the Heat are a good team, because that's the thing. The Heat can't do the the eighth seed again the heat need to be at least like the five seed the four seed they can't do what they did last year but if the heat keep winning after everyone said they lost all these pieces in the offseason they missed out on dame and he's doing his thing i think he is going to be the favorite i'm i'm with you on that my process for bam was a lot simpler i was you know i really wanted to put ad here but i just do not believe in anthony davis's ability to meet that game's play threshold um and with Bam, I was just, I mean, I was thinking on a bigger picture about the Miami Heat. And I'm like, I know the Heat are going to make the playoffs this year because they're the Miami the Heat. Heat. And that's what they do. <laughs> but how are they going to make the playoffs? Like, I just, I was racking my brain. And I think it's going to be built around their defense. Their offseason addition, big offseason addition was Josh Richardson, who is a defense first player. And I think that's kind of going to be where it's all webbed out. Bam is going to be the stalwart of this top five defense that carries the heat through a kind of weaker Eastern Conference to a top six seed. That's, that's my story, and that's what I'm sticking with. Yeah, no, I do think AD is probably going to be the biggest kind of competition for Bam this year, if not Jaren again. Yeah. Um, but I think 
I do, I don't know. It, it these awards do tend to be a little narrative-y. I don't I'm not saying Jaron didn't deserve it. I think he did last season, but I feel like there is just a lot of momentum for Bam to win one cuz I think now that it's been like 4 years of postseason dominance with him, it's like okay. This guy Absolutely. needs some hardware to go with it. And there's also something to that of just it's his turn. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's his he, turn. He's yeah. so good and and it's just like when when is when he going to win one? He going to win his you know, Rudy Gobert's not going to win another. No. He's, he's won too many. Even if the Timberwolves have a top three defense, he's not going to win another because that's just what NBA history tells us. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited for you, Bam. It's going to be great. Yep. So next up is Rookie of the Year. Spoiler, shockingly, I have Victor Wembanyama. No way. Yeah, I wrote. I have Victor Wembanyama. I wrote one well. note. The note is if he plays 65, he wins it. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah I'm so with you. Let's can we play a little game? Yeah. Um, so let's say 10 years in the future, we're taking Wemby out of the pool. Okay. And we're also taking Chet out, just this rookie class. This class. Who is going to be the second best player? Man, I was so, so high on Scoot, especially in Summer League. I thought he looked absolutely amazing. But the Thompson Twins have been showing me a lot in this preseason. So I am, I don't know. I guess, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go safe. I'm just going to say Scoot still. I am so all in on Amen Thompson. I, and I just I asked you this question so I could talk about him. Amen Thompson. Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I am so impressed with, his speed with the ball, I think just as it stands right now, he's probably a top five guy as in terms of speed with the ball. His vision is unbelievable. and But most of all, the biggest knock on him going into the draft was his shooting. And his shooting has looked amazing. I, I am so disappointed that the Rockets got Fred Van Vliet because he's just, he's just something in my way now. Um, so I just want to put it, out on the floor right now in five, what did I say? Five you years. You said 10 years. In 10, <laughs> 10 years, years, doesn't matter. 20 years, 25 years. The second best player in this class is going to be Amen Thompson. I think I wouldn't be surprised. I think what I really like about Scoot, though, is just his big physical frame. If you told me 10 years from now that Scoot is like his generation's Drew Holiday, I'd be like, yeah, that, yeah. I could see that. I would I, I could I could see that as well. But if you told me, I don't know, Amen is he's much more unique. Like yeah. you don't see a freak top one percent athlete that is like a ball handler like that, other than if he's like jaw. Um I don't yeah, I guess is that might be the, the I don't know. I think Scoot's gonna surprise you with some but, athletic plays but, this hey, year. I love <laughs> Scoot. I love Scoot. Scoot is awesome. I'm just super high on Amen. And I gotta like rep my twins um, out there yeah. in the NBA. Yeah, I'm I'm loving what I'm seeing out of the Thompson twins. I will say with the jump shot because it has looked good. It is preseason. It is. Let's pre-season. give it like let's give it like twenty games hey, of regular season play. Playing, they're playing big minutes. They're playing big minutes. That's true. Okay. The MVP. Creme MVP. Who do you, who do you have? So I have Nikola Jokic. Okay. Pre Lillard trade, I thought. It was going to be Giannis. I think there is a lot of Giannis momentum heading into the year, yeah. like reclaiming we the crown. We were both there. We talked about yes. it a lot. Patrick and I, in preparation for this podcast, did four test podcasts, and we both picked Giannis to win MVP in the test podcast, and I have changed my answer to Jokic. Um, I'll let you say yours before I get into it. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I, I really struggle with this because everything in me was telling me to pick Jokic, but in my gut, it just didn't sit right with me. It just felt like something that wasn't. Something was off. Some, something was off. So I started thinking about it. What MVPs, MVP winners are there that won the championship the year before? Can you guess, since the merger, how many players won MVP the season after winning a championship? So we've got Curry in 16. Yes. We've got LeBron in 13. Yes. The best season of both yeah. of their careers. Um, We've got... There's got to be a Jordan year in there. Yep, Jordan actually did it twice. He did it in uh, he did it in 91, 92, and then he also did it in 97, 98. Ooh. And 97, 98 is coming off back-to-back championships, and 91, 92 is coming off his first championship that he beat Magic Johnson. Okay, speaking of Magic, it's probably him or Bird some point Both in the 80s. Both of them did it. Both once. of them. And then you've got one more. One more. Okay. So I don't, Which is d- funny. Did they have an MVP award? They must have had an MVP award in Bill. Well, no, wait. Is it going to be a weird one? Is it going to be like a Jerry West? I will tell you, it's in the 70s. It's not Dr. J. It's, uh, it's not Dr. J. Is it Bill Walton? It's Bill Walton. <laughs> okay. The trivia king. Yeah, he won the MVP the year after they won their championship. And. He broke his leg and yes, lost and that Blazers round. team had a crazy record before that. But so yeah. like it's exceedingly rare mm-hmm. for for that to happen. And basically every time it has happened, these players are like top ten, if not like top seven players all time, and their their teams had the best record in the league the entire year. Um, Steph Curry did it the year that they broke the wins record, and he just had that unbelievable year and so thinking about this i'm like am is that what I, I that's just not what i see for the nuggets this year i don't see them putting their foot, foot on, on the, the gas. gas pedal and not only winning the the west number one overall seed but n- winning the number one overall seed in the whole league i just i don't see that happening and like there's and there's this is a narrative-based award. Since the 80s, this, when the media started voting on the MVP, this has only happened five times. And so it's even more rare. And those are the people, people that are telling the story of who's leading the MVP. So most of these MVPs that we get are guys that are losing in the second round and guys that are losing in the conference finals. So I look to that. And I just keep coming back to this name, this name of this player that I absolutely love, but I have a bias towards. So right now, James, can you please tell, can you please talk me out of choosing Devin Booker as my preseason MVP choice? I'm going to, I'll give you to you right now. Here's Devin Booker's stat line next season. Okay. 26, six and five on crazy efficiency. The Suns are. A top three seed. Here's why he doesn't win MVP. He's going against three players who are all averaging 30, 10, and 9. See? And that's where it doesn't work for Booker. I, I'm thinking about that too. 
but I think you're a little low on the points that book could score next year. I just think with Last Durant year, and Beal and the weapons, like we talked about earlier, I just don't see Booker getting to 30 a game. The way that it happens for me is the rise in three-point attempts. Because Booker's never been a chucker. But in this preseason, Book has been shooting with the volume from three that we see, you know, from Steph Curry and Dame Lillard. And I'm like, if he's shooting that many threes, there's a chance that he could get up to 30 points per game. And for the first time in his career, he's the true um, point guard. So if he's averaging 30 points and seven assists and they have a top two record in in the West, like, oh, that's what I'm thinking about. See, I think we all say it's a narrative award, which to a degree it is. But like last year, you know, Embiid, Jokic and Giannis was close, but Embiid averaged 33 points a game. It's not like Embiid wasn't a deserving MVP. I think what is going to work against your theory is I'm going totally opposite on the Nuggets. I think the Nuggets are going to run through the regular season. Gotcha. Last year, Murray missed the beginning. He was hurt. He wasn't really Jamal Murray until the second half of the season. The Nuggets come into the year. They have Jamal Murray. They have Jokic, who I still think is the best player. And how many teams have we talked about in this podcast and last podcast? We're like, man, they're great, but they're small. Yeah. The Nuggets are massive. And I still they're have this boys. image burned into my head of Jokic just giving Aaron Gordon the ball in the finals and being like, just run over the heat. <laughs> I have a, a it's image. My memory. Uh, I have an image of Aaron Gordon on Christmas Day last year taking Landry Shamit's life <laughs> yeah. burn into my um, head. So I I don't know. The Nuggets are still my pick to win the championship, and through that, my pick to get the one seed. Um, and I think the big narrative this year is going to be: it's been three years of Embiid versus Jokic. It's been mm -hmm. three years of those two, and every year we have the. But what about Giannis? And then the Embiid Jokic crowd goes, ah, whatever. Giannis, I feel like this is the this is the year where we kind of look back at this kind of period of NBA history, and it's like, who is going to be the defining figure of this period in history? Is it going to be Giannis or is it going to be Jokic? Yeah. And I think the narrative battle is going to be Giannis versus Jokic, even if the Suns are the one seed. For for what it's worth, I feel like Book's narrative would be. Look at this player. He's the next generation of like true NBA greats that are in the NBA right now. And he was able to establish himself as the best player leader on a team with Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal. But let me tell you something. I did not end up picking book. Who did you as pick? As much as I wanted to. I actually found myself going back around and I picked Giannis. Oh, I love it. See, I think I think this is I think this is going to be the thing all year is Giannis versus Jokic. It's going to be, I think, the major theme of the season. It's been Jokic versus Embiid for the last three years, but I don't know. I yeah. feel like as much I love Embiid. I feel like Embiid could score 34 a game this year and, and be the six. And he wouldn't two. win. And Absolutely. he wouldn't win. I don't think Embiid could average 50 and win this year. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah. The reason why I ended up going with Giannis is I feel like it all starts with the unceremonious exit from last year's playoffs. Yeah, like it was it was so hurtful, but it was just there was just enough narrative push to it not being his fault. Yeah, that he was able to skirt away from that. And now he is just going to be so devastating on offense next to Dame. I don't think that we can stress that enough mm -hmm. maybe not against you know the 
the Boston Celtics of the world night in, night out. I mean, he will be. He's he's Giannis. He's Giannis. But against your average NBA team, you know, against like, hey, we were talking about the Suns playing the Pistons. They're going to play the Pistons four times this year, and it is going to be ugly what Giannis is able to do. And Giannis always has the, the defense on, on his back that he's able to say, hey, I'm one of the top three to five defensive players in the league. So that's why I ended up going with Giannis. I think Jokic is a totally fair pick. Um, but that's where I'm that's where I'm standing. No, I love it. I honestly would be I would be very surprised if these guys don't finish one and two. Yeah. In in either order. But go to your sports book. Throw in some Devin Booker. The odds are long. The odds are super long right now. Put some money down and you can uh just just send me send me two percent. Well, all right. That, that's the NBA for the week. Patrick, are you ready for hot streak shooting slump? I am especially ready for a hot streak shooting slump this week. I, I, I'll just start with myself. Well, well, well before, before you get started, okay. so we have, this is our hot streak shooting slump. Every Friday, Patrick and I are going to talk about our week. Was it a hot streak? Did we have a good week? Or was it a shooting slump? Did we, did we go cold? So, Patrick, you know, how, yeah. tell me about the week. Dude, I am on a blazing <laughs> hot streak. This is launch week, baby. I'm having so much fun. I'm talking about the NBA in front of all, all of our wonderful watchers i'm talking about the nba with you the suns had just a absolute drumming of the trail blazers deandre ayton was scared to even step foot on the court that was so much fun i i won in fantasy football last week which is i i needed it i improved myself to four and two and i could not be more excited i'm just it, it made my week even hotter getting excited for the big showdown of this week's fantasy football where I'm taking on you. Yeah, I'm I am nervous. I've made five waiver requests in fantasy football. John, hot streak, shooting slump. Oh, shooting slump, boys. No. Yes, yes. For the listeners who are listening right now, I like to play this game called World of Warcraft. <laughs> and um I got pretty far in in my experience and uh, I, I do this game mode called Hardcore. If you die, your character, you have to delete your character. This is my sixth account. So <laughs> uh, I feel. How long did you have this character? Uh, I've had it for two weeks. Oh, okay. and you lost two weeks of progress. I lost two weeks of progress. What was his name? His name was Jay Allen. Jay. Jay Allen. I love that. Well, how'd you come up with that one? You don't have to answer that. I know this is a sensitive time. I'm sorry for your loss. How about you, James? How was yours? I've had a hot streak, but I would say, you know, it was more like a tepid water. Mm -hmm. You know, it was definitely on the warm side, on the hot side. So launch week, like you said, it's been a lot of fun. I am really enjoying making the podcast. You know, I've been doing YouTube for Seven years now, eight years now. I started out doing like NBA 2K videos. I did IRL videos. I've worked on a group channel. I've been a part of 100 Thieves. I've done all these things with video. And I feel like through the entire YouTube journey I've taken, I've always wanted to do podcasting. I've always loved listening to podcasting. And it feels 
so good to finally like launch this. I feel like Patrick and I have been talking about doing this for like five months yes. and I felt bad because Patrick was like next week and I was like, no, 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 it's going to be October <laughs> 16th. And then I felt bad because I kept like kind of pushing it back, but I'm really happy with how it turned out. I've been having a lot of fun. The reason why it's tepid though, every two months, as John knows, uh, me and John have been working together for a couple of years. My back just stops functioning. Um, no. My left leg is longer than my right leg, and every once in a while, it causes. What, what do we call that, John? What the uh, your back pain? The muscle pain thing. Oh, sciatica. Sciatica. It's a big word. Sounds like a chemical you see in uh, processed food. Uh, sciatica pain. Uh, and I found out I don't own a foam roller. I guess I lost it in the move. So, and my back's been hurting. I've been stiff. <laughs> Um, I almost got, I didn't get into a fight. One of my teammates got punched playing pickup basketball over the weekend. So no that was kind of funny watching, but, That's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, I've had a tepid week, but honestly, I'm super stoked for the weekend. I'm going to Monterey Bay this weekend. going to do Ooh, some hiking. Nice. Nice. I thought you were going to say what made it tepid was that, um, giants Sunday night football. That was, that was that ugly. Was brutal. That, that was, was brutal. Yeah, that was brutal. But next week, Patrick, not only is the NBA back, me and you are going yes, to Clippers. Are. Versus dominating. Oh, I, I can't wait to see you, DeAndre. I, I, I can't wait to see you take on the Clippers. I will fully take on Clippers fandom for one night only. <laughs> we might have to get you one of those Clips City jerseys. Clip City Chip City. There we go. <laughs> no chips in that city. We're, t- we're taking home the week with the game one chip. All right. I think on that note, we have to cut it here. Thank you guys for watching our second episode. I hope you guys have been enjoying the podcast. If you guys have any questions, shoot it to us on Instagram, Twitter, whatever platform you want. And uh, peace. See ya.